It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available every morning, as you know, on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your good podcasts from. It is the middle of the working week. I hope your week is going well thus far. If you're chasing any form of real estate around the country at the moment, it is Wednesday, September the 20th. 27th and this morning we are once again catching up with Margaret Lomas from Destiny Financial Solutions and first off Margaret we know that we are in a recovering market it is spring there's plenty of buyers out there not necessarily the amount of homes that we want to see listed from vendors and we've got a lot of first home buyers that listen to us every morning they're looking for little signs of gold nuggets that they can take action on. And the first question this morning, is it a good time for first home property buyers to buy? I think if you can get into the market at a reasonable interest rate and perhaps fix a portion of your loan for safety, because you know interest rates could go down and you don't want all of your loan fixed at a higher rate. But I think if you can get into the market now and fix your rate or a portion of your, your loan at, at a reasonable rate, then I don't think property prices are going to go down. And if you have an expectation that you're going to be sitting in that one property for, for quite some time and you're not going to suddenly find that next year it's gone up by $100,000, then now is as good a time as any. I don't see property prices falling below what they're at now, but I also don't see them booming. So if you're a first home buyer and you're buying so that you don't have to pay rent, so that you can get your foot on the property ladder, then now's no worse or better a time than in six months time, in my opinion. But don't buy in as an investor thinking, well, I'm going to take advantage of this market. I had someone say to me just yesterday, I want to buy an apartment as an investment and I'm going to buy Sydney because that's always the best place for investing. That's not actually a correct statement. And I remember a time between 2003 and 2010 where every state in Australia or every capital city in Australia except Sydney virtually doubled in their median price. And Sydney went up by about 15% over the entire period. Now, imagine if you were an investor at that time who bought in 2003 and needed to sell in 2010, then you didn't even keep pace with inflation on the money that you'd invested. And there would have been costs along the way. So I think we have to be careful of thinking that Sydney is a resilient bulletproof market because it isn't. And we do see considerable periods where we have little growth in the Sydney market, just as we do in every market. We need to pick our markets as an investor at the right time. But as a a homeowner and a first home buyer, I don't think now is any worse time to buy than later. And of course, first home buyers, they're attracted to the apartment uh, market and the apartment prices have rebounded to their 2022 peak due to persistent demand despite supply constraints. And some experts, they're predicting that more Australians will opt for apartment living in the future, emphasising that Australia's housing density levels lag behind those of other nations. 
I'm going to just sound like I'm, uh, you know, Miss Negative Nelly all the time because <laughs> every time you talk to me, I think I have an opposing view to what everybody else has. And I want people to consider this in its entirety. First of all, as you say, markets have rebounded from their peak, but let's understand that that peak was still significantly under a freestanding house price and our apartments had been pretty lacklustre for quite some time. So that peak wasn't anything significant to begin with and they've rebounded to that insignificant peak at the moment. Do I see demand coming into the apartment market? Yes and no. I do see that more people are now accepting that they're going to be living in apartments just like the rest of the developed world where we see significant apartment living. We don't have a very well-developed inner urban living plan like some countries do. You go to Vancouver and their urban living plan is amazing, very well catered for. Um, we have a little bit of that going on, I guess, around Green Square in Sydney, but we don't have a lot of commitment by our councils to really creating significant and highly livable urban plans. So people are buying apartments, but they're still feeling like an apartment is secondary to a house and their plan is always to move on to a house. But let's keep in mind that most people who do buy an apartment do so with the thought that it's step one on their ladder and step two will always be a freestanding home of their own. This means that the apartment market will always turn over much more quickly than other markets will. And it also means that if you're going to buy into an apartment block where there are a lot of apartments, which most of them these days are like that, the price of your apartment can only be whatever the, the next door neighbor or the one above or the one below sold at the time. And you have less control over that. So even if you, you know, renovate your apartment to make it look a little bit nicer, you've got a limit to how much money you can get for your apartment, which is dictated not only by what the apartment market is selling for at the time, but what your block is selling for at the time as well. You know, you could get a couple of people who have decided now's their time to go out and buy their first home. You get a couple of apartments on the market at the one time, they compete with each other, they drop their price and suddenly the price of your apartment becomes worth less. Okay, and we will come back in just a moment. We will talk more property, more 2023 and maybe some 2024 with Margaret after this. The skyline is constantly changing, growing and expanding. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. Well, I see that Darwin boasts the tightest property market in Australia with homeowners holding on to their houses for a median period of 12 years. This is the number one gong in Australia and in Darwin they hold on to their units for 11 years. That's according to a domain report and by contrast Sydney siders have a median period of 10 years for houses and eight years for units, while homeowners with properties in regional Tasmania have the shortest period of holding on to their properties, moving on average after six years. I don't know about you, but I'm not moving <laughs> anywhere at the moment. If you're celebrating your birthday, getting a year older, happy birthday to you for September the 27th. Gwyneth Paltrow, the big 5-0 today, and Avril Levin 
Lynn. She's turning 38. And one of my favourite rockers, no longer with us, didn't get to celebrate his birthday today, was Meatloaf. Of course, he passed away last year. It's the main centre forecast. And let's check on the weather. First we go to Sydney and expecting a possible shower or two today, your high of 23. Melbourne cloudy with sunshine, 17. Brisbane sunshine also with 31 degrees. And look at the temperature in Perth. Perth's temperature 34. No surprise, blue skies and sunshine. Ready to take your real estate knowledge to the next level? So are we. And we are back with Margaret Lomas talking property on your real estate breakfast on a Wednesday morning. And just following on with that discussion around apartment pricing, given what you said just before the break about apartment price growth, it can be capped. It all depends on what is happening in and around your apartment block. So with that in mind, what do you see the apartment pricing front looking like in the next, uh, let's say, 12 months? I do think that they probably will go up in the next 12 to 24 months. But let's not forget that the government has committed to building however many homes, a million homes in the next five years. I don't think they can achieve that. But their first step is going to be to go to all the state planning schemes and try to have an impact on altering those to make infill development more likely. Now, infill development is where people who are on those quarter-acre blocks can now subdivide and add a house or a granny flat behind them and create more housing. So as we see this happening and we see bigger blocks becoming smaller blocks and more land becoming available, we're going to see more and more incentives by the government to get people into these houses, which will then take some of that heat away from the apartment market because people are going to achieve that dream after all, which is to own their own freestanding home, the backyard of their own. Yeah. And let's turn our attention to the investors because depending on who you talk to, and I talk to a lot of people every week, as you know, Margaret, I have real estate agents saying that the investors, yes, they're out there at the moment. uh, They're pretty buoyed up. They're buying properties. But then on the other hand, you, you do talk to the odd investor who's saying, well, you know, I'm a landlord and I'm being asked to do all sorts of different things under new regulations and code that really has just made me look at that and say, you know what, I want to get out of the market. And they're selling some of their investment portfolio. Where is that landscape, in your opinion, sitting today at the moment? Absolutely correct. And it's almost like investors are the place that governments just go to when they either need money or they need to have an impact on the property market. And it's so short-sighted that it really irritates me. So we have a housing shortage at the moment. And the best way to get housing is to incentivize private investors because governments only have a very small proportion of, first of all, public housing available out of all the rental housing, which is around about 27 to 28% of all housing, only about 2% of that is owned by the government or public housing. The rest is private landlords. That's one quarter of all properties in Australia are owned by private landlords. And we have a rental squeeze at the moment. There's no secret. Rents are going up, not just because landlords need to 
take up rents to cover their mortgages. If that was the only reason, that wouldn't work. If there was plenty of rentals available, landlords couldn't take up their rents to cover their rising costs because their tenants would just move out to the other available properties. So we have a rental squeeze at the moment and yet governments are turning around and making it difficult for investors to stay in the market. First of all, obviously we have rising interest rates, but all banks still charge higher rates to investors than they do to homeowners. And the government can certainly have some input into that through APRA. The other problem is that we still hear rumours and unspoken whispers about the government looking at and targeting negative gearing. And many investors are frightened that they'll get into the market on the back of negative gearing, which some people who don't understand it think that that's a bit of a rort for investors, but it's how most investors are able to buy property and hang on to it and rent it out to somebody because they're getting a little bit of a tax break that helps them with their costs. They still pay a lot of the costs, but they get a little bit of a tax break. And the investors are worried that they'll get into the market, negative gearing will change or go away, and they'll no longer be able to afford to hold their property. The latest one is the Queensland government, who have now brought in minimum standards for housing, as well as a cap on rental increases, and you're only allowed to increase your rent by a certain amount, and you can only do it once a year. Now, that's fine if you you are in stable interest rates. But when interest rates are running away, sometimes you need to increase your rent just to hang on to that property. You're not doing it to to upset the tenant. You're doing it just to hang on to that property. You know, whenever governments are making it very hard for investors, we can expect investors to sell down their property portfolio. I've definitely started to sell down a couple of mine. I mean, for me, it, it coincided with the time when this was around about the time that I'd worked out when I first started investing that I'd be selling off some, but I probably would have hung on for another year or two. But instead, I've thought, no, I'm going to get rid of some of them now. High rates are starting to kill me a little bit, so I need to get out. And on top of that, I'm considering all of the new rules that I have in every single state that I own property, which is almost every state of Australia. And I'm just thinking there's too much compliance now. There's too much I have to think about. I'm getting beaten from every side as an investor. So it just becomes harder to be a seasoned investor. And the long-term implications of that, of course, are that that's just going to feed into our housing shortage and make everything more difficult for everybody. Margaret Lomas, you are a wealth of information. Thank you once again for coming back onto the Real Estate Podcast. Don't feel too beaten down today and enjoy your day out there. Maybe next time we talk, we can talk about something really positive just so that nobody thinks that I'm just always this negative person and that I really am the positive person that I am most of the time. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 